Content warning, explicit love scenes, dangerous mermaids, and sexy merman secrets. Guaranteed HEA with no cliffhanger. Intended for mature audiences. A sexy, sleek-tailed monster. Xantu has evaded the mate bond for 35 years, dodging promiscuous mermaids with vile intents. Unlike mermaids, mermen bond for life, and Xantu refuses to accept the heartbreak most mermen die of. That is, until the glint of gold catches his eye, and a simple salvage mission turns to passion. Now he's bonded to a human. A woman looking for a reason to live, Brianna thinks her life is over after the loss of her child. Instead, she falls into the arms of a merman who is anything but cold-blooded. He's wild, seductive, and sets her blood on fire every time he touches her, and soon she begins to need him for more than his magic to breathe underwater. He might just give her a new purpose. But as dangers encroach from every side, Xantu must choose, keep his new mate at his side or keep her safe. Either way, he's sure he'll end up with a broken heart. I welcome you back to Mermaids, with your hostess Anna Karen Nina. I am so excited to share the third and final part of the Merman's Kiss, Mates for Monsters with you today. I hope you enjoyed the story thus far, and I am sure you are going to love the end. So, kick back, Give your stress wings and let fly away. Brianna blinked away in the darkness but this time with no confusion or fear. A pre-dawn chorus of fish played a soothing background melody and she snuggled closer into Xantu's warm embrace. She was delighted to feel his morning erection pressing against her bottom. His mind was blank with sleep, his body hers to explore, so she reached a slow hand around behind her and sought the throbbing shaft that had woken her. Sequestered in its sheath, his cock responded to a little coaxing from her hand. He flexed his hips toward her but didn't waken. Keeping her mind purposefully blank so as not to wake him, she wrapped her fingers around his heated shaft and pressed her thumb over the small slit at its head. Her pussy tightened with desire as she imagined his cock inside her. Seeking lower, she found his testicles hiding within the sheath. She massaged the tender sack, rolling the orbs between her fingers. Xantu pressed his hips harder against her and crushed her in the circle of his arms, not enough to hurt but enough to immobilize her. A low growl rose from his throat against her ear. Good morning, my little angelfish. Or should I say devilfish? The vibration sent shivers deep inside her, creating an ache that needed to be filled. His hand sought hers still wrapped around his cock, encouraged her to squeeze and press his shaft downward. The tip grazed her ass, and she rubbed herself over it. Depths, 
woman, we're on my brother's bed. So, he slid her higher along his body until her opening was poised directly over his cock, the head teasing her lower lips. Both his hands found her breasts, fingertips pinching her nipples until they stiffened. She arched her back, thrusting her hips against him to take him in, but he resisted, keeping the tantalizing head just at the opening. He sent, I want to kiss your lips. She started to turn, but he held her facing away. Not those lips. He lifted her father up along his chest, skin sliding against skin, strong hands guiding her by her hips. His chin grazed her spine, making her back tingle. When he reached the top of her buttocks, she felt his tongue caress the upper edge of her crack. Both his hands encircled her ass cheeks, spreading her wide. One thumb crept inward to circle her anus. She puckered, yearning for more no matter his intent. Thumb massaging with gentle pressure, he slid his face lower. She gasped as he thrust his mouth between her legs. His tongue slipped along her quivering folds, ending at the throbbing nub of her clit. The pressure of his mouth sent shudders of pleasure deep into her belly. At some point they'd floated above the bed and now free-floated in the water. She flailed, seeking something to grip, something to ground her as he worked the sensitive button of flesh with his tongue and teeth. Hold on to your breasts, he commanded. Pinch them for me. She clutched her own flesh, pinching until the electric jolts of sensation from his mouth met the matching ones from her nipples. His mouth covered her pussy, tongue circling every crevice before plunging deeply into her. She arched, aching for more. I need you, she thought. And then he began to sing. The deep vibrations worked into her bones, filled her as surely as if he were fucking her. The sensation grew to enormous proportions, demanding release, and yet she yearned for the moment to last forever. Every muscle tightened, unable to escape his song. The thrumming, pulsing cadence worked her very core until the crescendo rolled over her in a great spasming release. With a single purposeful move, Zantu pulled her down, and his cock settled deep into her folds. She moaned, rising through another crescendo toward climax. His hands on her hips held her tightly against him, his body rocking hard. She widened her thighs and wrapped her calves around behind him, straining to take him deeper. She wanted his cock to touch her soul. To make him come so deep he melded with her forever. A gasp left him as he clutched her tightly, driving his seed deep inside her. Zantu startled awake to early pink sunlight reflecting through the kelp foliage above the nest. He'd fallen asleep almost immediately after making love, arms cradling his mate like a precious pearl. Wondering what had woken him, he gently released her and slid from the sponge bed. Rubak would have taken refuge during the night, but with morning light, he could return at any moment. Zantu hoped his brother never found out they'd made love in his nest, but even if he did, 
that moment with Brianna had been worth it. The usual fish song trickled through the water, nothing apparently amiss. He didn't want to send a sonic query to Ruback and risk waking Brianna, so he decided to gather breakfast instead. The overharvested seaweed gardens would offer little for a meal, but Santu didn't want his angelfish to start the day hungry. Ruback didn't utilize human artifacts much, and Zantu had to search among Ebius toys to find a beautiful cobalt-rimmed bowl. Taking the bowl to the outer edges of the garden, he searched for edible leaves and pods, leaving the newest seedlings in place for future meals. The garden was in even worse shape than he'd originally thought. How long had Ruback lain here grieving, leaving poor Ebi to fend for food alone? He decided to take a quick patrol of the outer nest, both for food and to scout out anything of concern. Perhaps he'd find a clue about where Ruback and Ebi had gone. Much as he told himself things were probably fine, his brother's state of mind hadn't been exactly stable when Zantu had left him. Outside the nest, sunlight danced and glittered across the forest floor as the current tossed the canopy above. A nearby Garibaldi let loose a string of notes that sounded like rain against the water's surface. Farther out, a Murray eel clacked its teeth before retreating into its den. Zantu found a small patch of red dulse and bent to pick the fronds. Something brushed against his dorsal fin. He turned to find a small yellow senorita fish looking at him, its tiny mouth pursed as if it had something to say. What is it, little one? Sorry, brother, the little fish recited, Senorita fish were excellent at parroting back a song. Elevation called. Sorry, brother. Elevation called. Zantu stared at it in shock. His brother had gone to the wild deeps anyway. What about Ebie? Depths. He must have taken the merchild along. The fish had been left as a messenger to Zantu in case Ruback didn't return. The fish darted into the kelp, job apparently done. Dropping the bowl, Zantu raced back to Ruback's nest. Brianna rolled over at his arrival, stretching in a languid arch he didn't have time to appreciate. I have to go after my brother. He took Ebi to the deeps. Why? She sat up to look at him. There is a myth, a type of funeral called an elevation which can free a soul from the cycle of the sea. It can only be done in the wild deeps with the aid of an ancient blue whale. He went to her, taking her in his arms. He realized he'd never told her about the deeps, only sought to protect her from them. The deeps are past the kelp forest, where the sharks and squid and other predators live. There are no landmarks to guide by, only the strength of the current, which can challenge even a merman's stamina. I can't take you there. And I can't leave you here. She grabbed his arms and pushed away from him. What the hell are you suggesting? It dawned on him that he was suggesting releasing her. Setting her free. Oh, no you're not. 
We're mates, remember? Whatever we do, we do together. Besides, land's in the opposite direction, and you don't have time to dawdle. I'm coming with you. Just give me a knife or something to help fend off the predators. The determination in her thoughts about drowned him. He'd been trying to believe she wanted to be with him, but some part of him had been waiting to prove she was lying. That, like any mermaid, she'd leave him without looking back. But at this moment she was digging through Ebius' toys, looking for a weapon. Planning to accompany him on a journey that could kill them both. Any reservations he may have had about her washed away. Yet that knowledge didn't eliminate the problem at hand. He searched through Rubak's small statues, jewelry, and other mythic artifacts but couldn't find anything that might serve as a weapon. Looking up, he saw Brianna brandishing a long pole with a net on it wider than his shoulders. I can use this to push things away or tangle them up. In spite of the fear gripping his insides, he smiled. My ferocious little angelfish. Zantu clutched Brianna tightly against his chest and exited the kelp forest. They'd been swimming for hours, heading toward the great chasm where predators hunted other predators, often merely for sport. The sudden lack of foliage, coupled with the immediate drop into nothingness, always made his stomach flip. His most recent trip to the deeps had been when he'd followed a trail of cargo containers washed overboard during the last autumn storm. Then, he'd run into a raven-haired seductress prowling the area and nearly lost his freedom. Now he'd be risking something much more precious. He sent out a sonic query to test the dark waters. The song would not only provide him bounce-back information on what was ahead, but it would also frighten away any mindless hunting squid. Sharks and whales were another matter, much trickier to coerce, but he'd deal with them if the need arose. How are we going to find them? Brianna asked. He pointed to a dusky cloud of krill interrupting the milky light reaching from the surface. See the krill? We look for that. Whales follow krill, and Rubak's looking for whales. He emitted a short burst of song, searching for the gigantic animals. Nothing. I can't see anything. The tremor in her thought reflected his own nervous fear. There's nothing to see. Whales haven't found this swarm yet. We'll keep looking. He pressed onward, farther and farther from the safety of the kelp forest into ever deeper water. The true wild deeps didn't begin for another quarter league, where the colder waters from the north joined and pushed underneath the current coming off the kelp reef. He'd been down that current ages ago, when he and Rubak had first ventured out of their father's nest. They'd found their first sunken ship there, and Rubak had been introduced to the intelligent whales who carried the sea's myths. Sink you, Rubak, he muttered within his song. Would Ebby even be able to survive those cold depths? Would Brianna? A drumbeat reached him from far ahead. Then a low moan dropped its pitch through the water. 
Brianna's fingers dug into his shoulder. What's that? He gave her a short squeeze of reassurance, his own pulse loud in his ears. Blue whales. A warning thump beat the water as the whale sensed their presence. Go play your games in another pool, the whale's ponderous voice cautioned. You've caused enough trouble for one night. Zantu slowed. I'm not here for games. I'm seeking my brother and his child. Have you seen them? A dark form moved between them and the surface. Zantu kicked his tail to resist being thrust downward in its wake. Ah, Merman, the whale grated, its barnacled body stretching forever into the darkness. I thought you were a maid. Your females have delighted in inciting a frenzy among the nearby sharks. Zantu resisted the urge to send a sonic query into their surroundings. Sharks were bad enough, but now he'd have to watch for mermaids as well. Have you seen another male? He would have asked you to assist with an elevation. The drumbeat sound approached again, and a great mouth, open as if to swallow them whole, appeared. An elevation? How odd. The mouth brushed by, revealing the black orb of an eye, a dark moon to counter the pale sun outlined above the surface. Brianna remained surprisingly calm in the midst of the inspection. Excited but not frightened, even daring to reach her hand out to brush the whale's scarred hide. Can you understand it? The eye regarded them while the voice continued to groan through the water. What's this? A human. Nerves jangling, Zantu thrust out his chest and swelled his song to potent volume. He wanted there to be no doubts about how far he'd go to protect the human at his side. My mate. The whale blinked and seemed to sigh. I've not seen a mated human in over a century. You have much to learn. But now, the whale sang in a heavy tone, appropriate for a funeral, I believe I hear your brother. In the far-off distance, Zantu could barely detect the familiar notes of his brother's sonic query. The whale answered with a moan that seemed to shake the very ocean, and drifted off to swallow more krill. Ruback. Zantu called, moving to intercept. You found him? Brianna clutched him with one hand, and the netted pole with the other, struggling to keep from losing it in the water's resistance. Ahead. They left the whale behind, Zantu querying madly to discover Ruback's location. His brother's song had stopped, but the higher, more uncertain chimes of Ebius' song grew louder. Uncle Zantu. Zantu raced ahead, drawn to Ebius' voice. Finally, he saw Ruback's form. Alongside the unmistakable curves of a mermaid. Zantu halted his momentum. The whale said there was a mermaid around. Oh shit. Brianna brandished her net in front of her, looking about. I still can't see a thing. I don't see Ebi. A sonnet trilled to his left, 
accompanied by the notes from a fish harp. He spun, only to spot the disappearing flash of an indigo tail. Depths. There's more than one. He turned back toward Ruback and thrust forward, hoping to at least find safety in numbers. The mermaid teasing his brother had yellow hair and a golden tail. Didra. Oh, you've come to our party, she chimed, clapping her hands. Ruback's such a bore. Where's Ebie? Zantu shouted. To his relief, the tiny figure materialized through the krill-speckled water. The child held back a distance, avoiding the mermaids and watching. A duet behind him sent him spinning around in time to pull Brianna beyond the reach of a raven-haired mermaid. Her dark tail caught the light as she passed by, first iridescently green and then swirling violet. A section of her tail fin was missing, the jagged edge puckered with old scar tissue. She cooed, I've heard about you, Zantu. Her partner was familiar, nimble fingers plucking a fish harp's tines. Lawyer. She laughed while her accompanying veil of fish shimmied and shifted around her in time to her harp. I warned you a human was no fit mate for a merman. Especially a big strong merman like you. She'll never be able to keep up with our games. Brianna's knuckles were white around the net pole, every muscle in her body tense. What's she saying? Threats. Behind him, he heard the tiny susurration of skin against water as Didra shifted position. His brother remained eerily silent, eyes hooded, tail fin limp. There was no sign of the stillborn child. Ruback. You okay? No answer. The raven-haired mermaid swooped up from below, rubbing her scarlet nipples along Zantu's length. Brianna recoiled, arching away from the contact and throwing him off balance, but he caught her and pulled her against him tightly. An arm's length away, the mermaid backflipped to face them again and rolled a small dart between her fingers. Immediately, Zantu knew what was wrong with Ruback. Love Toxin. The mermaid's voice chimed with deceptive playfulness, her scarred tail fluttering with mesmerizing iridescence. I wonder what would happen if I used this on her. He swelled his chest. I will kill you if you touch her. Brianna's thoughts spun like a water spout, her attention first on one mermaid then another. She poked the net at lawyer. We're surrounded. Fingertips tickled the tips of his dorsal fin, sending a shudder through his blood as Lawyer's lilting melody of desire began. Oh, are we going to have fun now? He twisted to bat the hand away. Lawyer's veil of fish enveloped them. Summoning his sonic blast, he sent them scattering. The scent of blood filled the water. Brianna's blood. He had to get her out of here. Get Ebby out of here. Fast. His brother, his brother would have to fend for himself. Coiling the muscles of his tail, he lurched forward between Ruback and his mate. Ebby, swim home. 
something nipped his side. For a moment he thought it was another of lawyer's fish. He brushed a hand over the spot to flick it away and found the dart lodge there. Depths. He'd been hit with the toxin. Jerking it free, he continued his momentum, barely registering Ebius' tiny figure matching his pace several yards away. The fog of the poison was already taking hold. His muscles ached as he tried to force them to keep working. To get his mate to safety. The grip he held on Brianna slipped, her skin scraping along his side before he caught her again. She clung painfully to his neck, her feet kicking in a pitiful attempt to help them swim. Zantu, what's wrong? She hit me with a love toxin. Soon I'll be paralyzed. He didn't know what to do. His gaze scoured the blank expanse of water for anything, anywhere he could hide Brianna. His grip slipped again, and he realized his tail was twitching ineffectually against the current. Uncle Zantu, what about Dad? Sink it, Ebby was in danger here, too. Not from the mermaids, Didra wouldn't allow the others to harm her own blood. But she wouldn't ensure Ebby made it back to the safety of a nest, either. Ebby would be abandoned. He'll be fine. He prayed he wasn't lying. I'm going to be paralyzed soon, like him. You have to get back to the kelp forest. Take Brianna. I don't know the way. He opened his mouth to tell the child how, but his voice had succumbed to the effects of the toxin. His arm now refused to keep hold of Brianna, and she clung to him as if he were a dead piece of coral. Zantu. You have to show Ebby how to get home. At least his mind connection still worked. How? I don't know the way, and I couldn't tell Ebby even if I did. Keep the current to the right and in front of you. Stay out of the cold layer, it'll suck you to the bottom very quickly. If it does touch you, keep it hard to your right and swim upward as fast as you can. Ebby wriggled into view, turquoise eyes confused and frightened. He hoped somehow the merchild would trust Brianna. The laughter of mermaids tinkled toward him like hail against the surface. Kiss me, he thought. What? You have to let go now, and I want your breath bond fresh. The thought of her drowning was almost as paralyzing as the toxin. All he could hope was that she broke the surface before the spell ended. No. They'll rip you apart. The terror clawing through her mind was stronger than it had been while she'd been trapped by kelp. If you don't, both you and Ebby will die. Brianna's gaze cut to the merchild, then her lovely face crumpled in anguish. I don't want to leave you. I know. He sought to make his thoughts calm. To reassure her. But you have to. You have to save the child. She bit her lips together then nodded. Grief reddened her beautiful green eyes. Taking his face between her hands, she placed her soft lips against his. I love you.
The toxin didn't take away his ability to feel, only to move, and he was thankful in this instance to have one last memory of her. And I love you, my angelfish. Now swim. Get back to shore if you can. She released him and turned to the merchild. Ebius' tail flashed with alarming colors, unable to settle on a single camouflage. The child's attention flicked to Brianna then back to Zantu. I'll take care of her, Uncle Zantu. Ebi reached out a tiny webbed hand and took Brianna's, pulling her away into the dark waters. Brianna gripped Ebi's hand and kicked to assist their momentum. The mermaid's songs echoed through the water, trying to lure her back. She wondered if Ebi felt the pull, too, or if merchildren, being sexless, were immune. The possible biological reason for a merchild's androgyny made a lot of sense right now. The song's pull doubled her reluctance to leave Zantu and forced her to use every ounce of wool to keep moving away. If it hadn't been for the merchild, she would have stayed by her mate's side, fought each murderous mermaid with every ounce of strength left in her body. She prayed he could find a way to escape. To find her again. He was stronger than any man she'd ever met. Ebi dragged her along, using the current to aid their momentum. Now it was time to turn against it. To head back to the kelp beds. Brianna pulled against the child's grip and pointed with her free hand into the distance, keeping the water's flow slightly to her right as Zantu had instructed. Ebi's eyebrows rose at Brianna's non-verbal instruction. The merchild blinked twice then nodded and changed direction. Brianna let out a sigh of bubbles, grateful the child wasn't going to argue. Zantu's last wish had been for Ebi to reach safety, and Brianna would do everything she could to make that happen, even if she drowned in the process. She kicked with all the stamina she could muster. But exhaustion was already setting in. The drag created from the net was stronger than she'd previously realized, perhaps because they were now going against the water instead of with it. Poor little Ebby wriggled ferociously, but it didn't feel like they were making much progress. A cramp seized her right calf, and she doubled over, awkwardly trying to massage it without letting go of the net. The tiny teeth marks left by the myrrh. Maid's swarm of fish continued to trail blood. Swallowing, Brianna searched the surrounding waters. Hadn't Zantu said something about predators? Once, she'd watched a nature show about giant squid, with green and black video of a man-sized creature latching onto a diver's faceplate. The scrape and crunch of its beak biting the plastic still resonated in her memory. Zantu'd used his song to check for predators, yet Ebi moved through the water silently. Brianna hoped it was another survival trick, like the androgyny that made them immune to mermaid songs. Overhead, the sun's orb seemed weaker, and the water had grown decidedly cooler against her skin. She reoriented toward the surface and aimed the net like a prow. Her leg threatened a new cramp, but she persisted in kicking until Ebi noticed and shifted direction. 
The downward pull was even more relentless than the outward current, and it seemed forever until a sudden flush of warmer water gave Brianna an extra burst of energy. She kicked like mad toward the sun. Suddenly Ebby froze and spun to look behind them. A tremble passed between their connected hands, and Brianna squinted into the dark. Shadows. Moving shadows. Had the mermaids found them? The sharp curve of a dorsal fin cut through the waters. Sharks. Seriously? Sharks. She felt like she was playing a part in the worst horror movie ever. She clutched the net tighter, realizing how silly and useless a thing it would be. The creatures moved sinuously toward her, toothy mouths open to taste the water. A large one was in the lead. When a smaller one moved abreast, the giant shot sideways to bite at it. Another mid-sized shark passed the fight, dead set on engaging its prey. For the first time, Ebby let loose a wide arc of sound. It was nowhere near as authoritative as Zantu's thunderous voice, but it still had some effect. The sharks veered away, all but the largest one. The monster merely seemed pleased to ditch the competition. Brianna released her grip on the child's hand. Tried to shake free so Ebby could escape. But the merchild didn't let go. Instead, Ebby gave Brianna a headshake to negate the idea. Did the little one have a plan? The shark's mouth formed an oval of deadly teeth. Brianna pointed the net at it, hoping to at least force it to keep its distance. The shark was more agile and intelligent than she imagined, nosing the net aside so it could slide along the pole. At the last moment, Ebby jerked Brianna away. The beast's sandpapery side grazed Brianna's foot, leaving a burning welt in its wake. Ebby turned, little tail churning water, and emitted another blast of song. The shark ignored it and circled back. The merchild's hold on Brianna tightened, shaking wildly. Brianna realized the child was no match for this beast, no matter how brave. Gathering her strength, she jerked her hand free of the merchild's. She grasped her net with both hands and swung it down between her and the shark in a maddeningly slow arc. If she could lodge it in the creature's mouth, at least Ebby might be able to get away. Ebby cried out again, and the shark twitched to the right. Directly into the loop of the net. The creature bolted forward, face in the net, and the hoop caught against its dorsal fin. Brianna's head rocked back at the sudden speed, her grip on the pole slipping slightly. The net seemed to both anger and confuse the beast. It twisted and rolled, trying to free itself. Brianna hung on like she held a tiger by the tail. Ebby darted in front of the shark's nose, luring it along. The creature pulled determinedly, slowed by Brianna's weight. At first Brianna thought the merchild meant to use the shark to head home. Instead, Ebby turned into the current. Back towards Zantu and the mermaids. 
It appeared they really were going to take the tiger by the tail. Zantu closed his eyes and tried to ward off the effects of Loya's song. Her hands caressed his chest and arms, her endless song complimenting his physique, promising pleasures untold. One hand found his sheath, attempting to lure his cock free. Then a second voice joined hers, battling for supremacy. He opened his eyes a slit. The raven-haired mermaid undulated in the filtered light, her iridescent skin shifting with mesmerizing color. Her crimson nipples pointed as sharply as the dart she'd hit him with. Her genitals slit gaped suggestively, and he felt his cock respond with a will of its own. Lawyer screeched in complaint, sending her veil of fish at the newcomer. The dark one screeched back, it was my dart that felled him, the water churned with foam and bits of slaughtered fish as the two engaged in a physical competition. The iridescent one spun and smacked Lawyer in the face with her scarred tail fin, drawing blood. Lawyer's hand flew to her mouth, and she reeled backward, her fish harp sinking from sight. The dark one rippled toward Zantu, a predatory grin on her lips. Lawyer recovered and shot forward, mouth open to bury her pointed teeth in the other's shoulder. And then a flash of gold as Didra slipped past the fight to press her coral-brown nipples against Zantu's chest. Her song in his ear was subtle, quiet, and deliciously inviting. His cock surged against her genital slit. The helplessness from the love-toxin clawed at his soul. Burned through his blood. Raged against the injustice of one sex that held so much power over the other. His fingernails bit into his palm as he commanded every muscle to fight the promise of pleasure. Another angry screech, and Didra was ripped from him. Flashes of indigo, gold, and iridescent black fins created an intoxicating dance. The water grew cloudy with fish parts and blood. Furious Mersong escalated as each mermaid attempted to outdo the other, their notes coalescing into a single, primal melody of lust. His racing heart pulsed in his head, the tempo overriding the music in the churning water. He clenched his fists, focusing on the sensation of his fingernails biting into his palm. Perhaps the toxin was wearing off. If only he could slip away now, while they were busy competing with each other. Out of nowhere, something slammed into the midst of the brawl. He barely had time to register the predatory shape of a massive shark, with a human trailing it like a lamprey. Brianna? He sent. There was too much chaos for him to sense anything in return. 
The cloudy water reddened with more than fish blood, and the mermaid's screams no longer carried a hint of seduction. Brianna. He sent. Surely he'd been imagining things. How could she be controlling a shark? Under the best circumstances, even Mersong couldn't exert much control over the beasts other than inciting them against each other. Brianna couldn't even sing. He twitched his tail, pulling forth every bit of strength he had to fight off the waning toxin and regain mobility. A voice reached him. Not through the water, but in his mind. Zantu. Brianna? Where are you? I told you to run. Out of the gory cloud emerged a small merchild followed by a clumsy, flailing human. The ravenous crunch of bones from within confirmed the shark was otherwise occupied. Brianna's thought echoed with feverish energy. We're here to save you. Where's my dad? Ebi cried. Zantu was gaining strength by the moment and turned to point in the direction he remembered leaving Rubak. Ebi took his hand and began hauling both him and Brianna that way. As the toxin left his system, he joined the child's efforts. He sent out a query and was answered by a weak version of Rubak's familiar song. Ebi released them and darted forward. Zantu took the moment to draw Brianna against his side. You should not have come back. She wrapped her legs around him and buried her face against his neck. I thought I'd lost you. How the depths did you wrangle a shark? All I did was hang on. Ebi is quite the little scrapper. Her trembling body told him a bigger story. He embraced her, savoring the scent of her hair and skin. His imagination churned with other more likely outcomes. You got lucky this time. Rubak appeared through the hazy water, tail movements still uncoordinated from the effects of the toxin. Ebi held his hand, leading the way. Zantu looked over Brianna's head to greet his brother. What were you thinking, Rubak? The deeps are no place for a youngling. You refuse to help. Rubak hung his head. And father used to bring us out here. Ebi wanted to come. I wanted to see a whale. Ebi looked into Rubak's face with a youth's oblivion to mortality. But we lost the baby. A part of Zantu felt sorry for his brother. What happened? Rubak covered his face with both hands. Ebi wriggled up to give him a hug. The child answered for him. Didra dropped it into the deeps. The pity in Zantu's soul intensified, but there was nothing to be done. The child is at one with the sea again. That's all anyone can ask for. Gripping Brianna tight against him, he led the way back to the kelp forest. Zantu carried a sleeping Brianna back to his nest and laid her on the sponge bed. He spent the night holding her, stroking her, making love with her, etching each moment into his memory so it would last a lifetime. 
He wanted her at his side forever, but if today's incident had taught him anything, it was that Brianna didn't belong in the ocean. She couldn't sing. She couldn't even hear the full range of notes the ocean carried. And even if the breath bond could be made permanent, she couldn't defend herself, the net had been a lucky moment, one not likely to be repeated. She belonged on land. If she stayed with him in the ocean, it only meant death for them both. And while he'd die for her in a heartbeat, the thought of her dying because of his selfish need to keep her close was unacceptable. The only place she'd be safe was back among her kind. He knew she would fight his decision, resist his plan to send her back. How odd that he was about to execute the very thing he'd feared from the outset of his mate bond. At the first notes of the morning chorus, he lifted her gently and carried her out of the nest. Each coral-covered stone they passed on the way toward the shore felt like an added weight to Zantu's soul. He broke the surface as golden fingers of light glinted across the wavelets of the cove he'd chosen for her. His lungs felt tight with more than unaccustomed air as grief threatened to turn him back. He forced himself onward, knowing this was the only way to keep his mate safe. The pebbled beach was vacant in the morning light, but a small boat rested on the shore, and a house stood in sight of the water among wind-twisted trees on a rocky hill. She roused as his tail scraped the rocky bottom, her sleepy thoughts reaching for him, seeking comfort. Zantu! Where are we? He set her feet against the floor. You must go home, my angelfish. She groped for him, fingers slipping against his shoulders. Wait! I don't understand. He gritted his teeth and dove beneath the waves, swimming fast and far out to sea. Don't leave me. Zantu. Her cries followed him clear to the edge of the wild deeps. Zantu cruised the watery interface where the cold northern waters met the current off the kelp beds. Since abandoning Brianna, the dark waters of the wild deep seemed to call his soul. He'd spent the last four moons scouring the bottom for treasure. His nest was crowded with human items, from gilded picture frames to unidentifiable plastic machines. But none of it was the human thing he wanted. He circled the long metal box from a cargo ship that had lodged on a ledge. This one appeared undamaged. The lower current's cold water had seeped into his bones, and his fingers were stiff as he lifted a chunk of basalt to bash the lock. Merpeople didn't have the layer of blubber that kept whales and other sea mammals warm in northern waters, and he'd already been down here past his usual endurance. But finding human artifacts was the only thing that interested him since leaving Brianna, so he kept at it. The rusty metal lock crumbled under the impact. Once it was removed, he put a shoulder beneath the bar securing the door and pushed. The latch gave with a rusty, hollow grating sound, as did the hinges as he opened the door. He squinted and sent forth a sonic query to judge the contents. Mounds of rotted textiles. 
Disappointment sank him to the stony outcropping. Ruined by the sea. That seemed to be the story of most things human down here. Broken. Decayed. Unable to survive. The familiar drumbeat of a whale reached him, and he realized he'd been resting too long. His joints were stiff with cold, and his heart seemed to struggle to beat. Going to sleep seemed like a good idea. The whale thumped the water, calling to the krill it sought to consume. Whales were one of the few creatures, fish or mammal, to have words in its song. Rubak swore they were the keepers of myth and still grieved over the lost opportunity to elevate his child. Zantu thought about his last meeting with one, when Brianna had been by his side. The creature hadn't denied the magic of elevation, so maybe the myth had some truth. But it had said something else, too. Something just now returning to his memory. I've not seen a mated human in over a century. You have much to learn. Zantu frowned, blood pumping a little harder. What was there to learn? Was there something he'd missed? Gathering his strength, he forced his cold muscles to carry him upward toward the whale's song. He found the whale circling near the surface, its massive, scarred body black against the light. Great whale, Zantu called. The frigid waters had sapped him of his voice, and the whale took no notice of the small visitor, continuing its wide-mouthed sweep through the clouds of krill. He tried again. Great whale, I have a question. The whale continued to ignore him, thumping the water. Zantu bolstered his song. Please, I have a human bondmate. I need your help. The whale's thumping paused, its barnacled body slowing its loop through the swarm. It turned its great black eye upon him. Bondmate, the creature grated. How did this happen? The story flowed out like a riptide, of how he'd happened upon her, how she'd proven herself loyal, how he'd been forced to set her free. The retelling left Zantu mentally exhausted. The whale resumed its circle through the krill. If she cannot be with you, why do you not join her? Zantu's mind spun. Join her? How would I do that? Humans and Murphic separated ways not so very long ago in the timeline of the world. You can breathe air, can you not? Although mermen avoided the surface, Zantu had indeed breathed air a handful of times and knew that to be true. Yes, but breathing air is only one piece of things. She lives on land. With legs. The whale's drumbeat call sounded like laughter. Have the Murfolk truly lost all knowledge of their magic? As you can give the gift of the ocean with water breathing to her, she can give the gift of land to you. Zantu's mind reeled. Do you mean legs? True bondmates compromise to be together. Sometimes one gives more, sometimes another. It is the way of things if they wish to be together. 
I could live on land, Zantu said, rolling the words around as if tasting the idea. Indeed, the whale sang and swiped its tail to pursue the retreating cloud of krill. Wait! How? But the whale didn't stop. Its words floated back in an echo of song. If you're bonded, you already know. Zantu wasn't sure what that meant. But he meant to find out. Re-energized with new hope, he aimed himself for the surface. Surrounded by the scent of rotting seaweed and salt, Brianna rose from the damp stone and snapped shut the picnic basket that had held her lunch. Facing the sea, she brushed bits of sand from her cotton capri pants. As always, the slate-grey ocean whispered to her, waves kissing the shore with promises never kept. Sometimes the water cleared the beach, leaving pristine pebbles glinting in the sun. Sometimes it left lines of garbage. Today the beach was clear. She called with her mind as she did every time before she left the cove, Zantu. As usual, only silence in return. Perhaps her therapist was correct. Her time in the ocean had been a hallucination. Her mate a myth. As if in disagreement, the child within her rolled, a sensation like tiny bubbles. She placed her hand over her barely rounded belly. Don't worry, little one. I know I'm not crazy. Upon her forced return to land, she'd climbed the stairs to the small house. The driftwood grey structure had obviously been vacant for a long time, but the door was unlocked, and inside she'd found some old clothes. After a short walk down the dirt lane, she'd reached the highway, flagged down a car, and made it back to town. Within the week, Eric had signed her divorce paperwork without question. Soon after, she'd discovered she was pregnant. The idea of raising a child alone broke her heart, but she knew there'd never be another man in her life. Zantu was her mate and always would be. She'd bought the small cliff house overlooking Zantu's beach and taken a position at the nearby Marine Research Center. Granted, she was only a bookkeeper, but being near the fish and other creatures felt like home. And, sometimes, she swore she could hear them singing. Placing her sandaled feet carefully over the uneven beach stones, she headed toward the stairs up to the house. The tide was coming in, and although she sometimes dreamed of throwing herself back into the ocean's embrace, she knew better than to hope to be saved a second time. Plus she now had another life to consider. The brisk breeze at her back seemed to call her name as she walked, stones crunching beneath her feet. Brianna. She paused, cocking her head and closing her eyes to accept the wind's caress. She often dreamed like this, her name upon her lover's lips, the sensation of the word along her skin. Brianna. She opened her eyes. This wasn't the wind. Zantu. The baby rolled again, fluttering within her as if dancing to a song. Brianna, I need you. 
She spun to face the sea, nearly turning an ankle on the uneven stones. A silver tail splashed the water near the cliff. Zantu, she whispered, the air in her lungs refusing to move. Then, full force, she screamed, Zantu. Heedless of her shoes, her clothes, her footing, she flung the picnic basket aside and ran into the waves. Zantu. I'm here. A head appeared above the surface a little closer than before, silver hair blending with the grey-clouded horizon, then was gone. She stopped as the water reached her waist, sandals slipping over the lumpy bottom. Waves lifted and dropped her. Had she imagined him? She watched the water, every ounce of her being calling to him. I'm here. A length of silver materialized beneath the mirrored water in front of her, and then Zantu's naked gleaming torso rose. Oh my god. She stepped forward, slipped, fell into his arms. She threw kisses across his face, gulped water as they both went under, found his mouth to kiss. He pushed her away, upward to the surface. No. Gasping and choking, she clawed her hands against his shoulders, feet scrabbling to find the bottom. Why are you here then? Please don't leave me again. He rose to face her, helping her stand. She gripped him tightly around the neck, wrapped her legs around his hips. I won't let you go. You have to take me with you. Chuckling against her hair, he shifted his hands down around to support her bottom and began moving to shore. He stumbled once but caught himself. He was walking to shore. Brianna nearly let go. What? I'm here for you, angelfish. It's your time to share magic with me. Rising out of the water like an ancient god, he carried her toward the cliff. You're human. She found herself speaking the words as she thought them. Still in shock, she lowered her feet to the ground to make him stop. Are you really here to stay? Yes. He used his real voice this time instead of only his mind. The word, although accented, was clear and deep and sexy as hell. She stepped back, her gaze roving over his broad shoulders to his well-muscled stomach and lower, to where his member stood at half-mast amid sparse silver curls. Where his tail had been he now had perfect, athletic legs. Her attention returned to his cock. You're naked. And you're a man. His cock twitched in response, rising to attention. Yes, I am. Tempting as he was, she forced her gaze back to his eyes. They were as silver as she remembered, his lips just as luscious. She raised one hand to trace a finger over the soft skin. From down the beach, a child's voice snapped Brianna out of her lust. While her little cove was generally secluded, it was by no means private. There'd be time to explore Zantu later. Lots of time. You're going to need some clothes. 
she shrugged out of her windbreaker and wrapped it around his hips. It didn't cover everything, to her chagrin and delight, so she had to skew it sideways to hide the most important parts. Why do you get to undress and I have to dress? He tugged at the knotted fabric, and she slapped his hand gently. You've got a lot to learn about humans. I'm looking forward to it. She took his hand and led him past the curious stairs of two children toting kites along the windswept beach. Well, you're going to get to learn from the ground up, Daddy. His moment of confusion was followed by a joyful shout that echoed from the rocky cliffs and drew giggles from the nearby children. He swept her into his arms and spun her as she giggled. Together they climbed the stairs to their nest overlooking the ocean. She'd found her mate. Her true love. The father of her children. The End If you enjoyed this narration, please take a minute and leave a voice note, so mermaids can share your experience with other listeners like you. Thank you. I will truly appreciate. I really hope that you and your loved ones will have a blessed weekend, and I will see you back on Tuesday again for another omnibus into the dark waters of mermaids. Mermaids has been primed and read by me, your hostess Anna Karen Nina. Can't find the key without you